I'll just move on quickly, Josh. <laughs> I'm just the warm-up act today. Um, morning, everyone. Good to see you all. Um, where we are um, looking at Ephesians 4 at the moment as a church, and we're spending a few weeks looking at these five gifts that are given to the church. And in Ephesians 4, it talks about them. I'm just going to read from Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ." So this week we are looking at evangelists, the gift of, of an evangelist. Last week we looked at shepherds and teachers. And our aim with this is to encourage us as a whole church to recognize a couple of things. One really important thing, the gifts have been given to us as a body, as a whole church. That's what Ephesians says. The gifts are given to us already. They are already in our church body, in our church family And our aim is to help encourage those gifts out, to help us each to recognize where we may be um, particularly passionate about a particular aspect of the fivefold, and to help us to recognize how we can serve the church with those gifts that we have to equip us to attain full maturity in Christ. Because hopefully, for all of us this morning, and for those who aren't here this morning, that's what we long for. We long to reach maturity in Christ. So I just want to say a couple of things as context before Pippa comes and talks about her experience of being an evangelist. Firstly, um, Dom, can you just put up the slide, please? For Yeah, that one, that's great, thanks. The body of Christ might be equipped, perfected, or completed. These are the outcomes of the gifts being given to the body, that the body of Christ might be equipped, perfected, or completed. The body of Christ might grow into maturity and we might attain to the fullness of Christ. They're important outcomes, aren't they? It's, it's really important that we get this right, that we understand what these gifts are for, how we should encourage them, because the outcomes, being equipped, perfected and completed, growing into maturity, attaining to the fullness of Christ, are things that we want to go after. Another thing that we mentioned last week, but it's really important to mention, Jesus modeled all of the gifts. Within the life of Jesus, he modeled all of the fivefold, but he gives the gifts to the body so that together with the different gifts that we have, we come together to fully realize the body of Christ, who Jesus is. That makes sense? It's really important that we, we understand that. They are given to the church They're not given to me. They're not given to you. They're given to the church. It's not about what's my gift, an individual thing, what's my gift. It's about who we are together and how the gifts are represented together for the benefit of the whole body. That's really important as well because sometimes teaching on this subject can be a little bit about what's my gift and what makes me special. It's not that. We find our identity in Christ. We said this last week as well. Our identity is in Jesus that is where we find our identity. And as we find our identity in in him, he releases the gifts within the body for the benefit of all those things that we've talked about. So I want to encourage you this morning to ask, what parts do you play? Every one of you here this morning, every one of us here this morning 
is important. If the gifts have already been given, well, what has God given to you for the benefit of the whole body? So please be asking the Holy Spirit now, what has God given you? And as you listen, be asking that question. How can I serve the body? And if this morning you come to the conclusion, well, evangelist isn't one of them, that's fine. But remember again, all of the gifts are given so that we all will grow in maturity. So we should all be longing for all of these gifts to be growing in maturity. And to some extent, all of us will have some aspect of the gift within us. But some of us particularly will have a passion for one or two of them. And our job is to grow in those and to serve the church and to try and grow those gifts in others, to be like catalysts, if you like, for those gifts within others. So what part is God asking you to play? Two other points then before Pippa comes up. Each gift is equally important and equally needed. That needs to be repeated lots and lots. Each gift is equally important and equally needed. There is no one gift that is more missional. We become the mission that God has called us to be as church when all five gifts are valued and all five gifts are encouraged within the church. Really important. Okay, let's just look. Can you just put the next slide up, please, Dom? And I'll just quickly go through um, some of the things that Jesus was. If, if it's true that all five gifts were in Jesus, how was Jesus an evangelist? Well, Jesus, he is the message and the messenger. We talk about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, don't we? He offers every person the opportunity for a radical reorientation of their lives. He gives them the gospel. He is the gospel, and he gives them this opportunity to come um, and change their lives and be transformed by the power of God. He demonstrates the reign of God. An evangelist doesn't just speak words. An evangelist demonstrates what the kingdom of God looks like and catalyzes that in other people. Jesus seeks and saves the lost. If you think of those great stories, the lost coin, the leaving of the 99 to go after the one, the return of the prodigal son, he is in, he is, his heart is for the individual and he has great compassion for the individual. So evangelists then communicate the message of the gospel and elicit a response from the audience. They are recruiters and agents of conversion. They are positive, good news people. They create a culture whereby people can experience what the church is pointing towards and they take the message outside. Evangelists would often much rather be somewhere else other than church, like in a bar or somewhere where they can talk to non-Christians. They value the individual. Each person is the object of God's eternal compassion. And it's not just about verbal proclamation, but it's also a demonstration of good news. Now, just a little um, rider on this. You may all be sitting there going, of course, I'm that. I, I'm, I'm for that. We should all be going, yes, of course, we want that. But there are some of you amongst you already who are going, absolutely, that is a real passion within me. It's not that we're not, some people are called to evangelism and some not. We are all called to evangelism, but some people are called to be evangelists. See the difference? We're all called to do, be involved in evangelism. The evangelists are the ones who hold it, who carry it, who stir it up within the body. 
Okay, so there's a difference there. There's a real passion there um, for those things to be released. Great. So, Pippa, could you come up, please? I, I just ask you uh, just to bear with me because I'm probably going to read my notes quite a bit just because I'm not used to public speaking and I'm just worried I'll run over otherwise because um, once I get speaking, I quite like it. So, um, And looking out at, at you guys today, um, I know quite a few of you, but there's some of you I don't know. And um, I think that's partly because I'm not that easy to get to know. And a lot of you might not even know I was married to Mike. And um, I think part of that is because... Um, although I'm an extrovert in that I really get energy from being amongst people, I'm actually quite shy and um, I find it really hard to initiate conversation with people. Often I forget people's names because I'm trying to think of the next thing to say because of that sort of social awkwardness that, that I, I feel. And, and these personality traits that I, that I have have caused me to doubt my calling as an evangelist over the years. Um, but deep down, I know that one of the main drives of my life is to want to make Jesus known. And when I don't share Jesus with people, I feel that my life lacks purpose. And um, after a while, part of me isn't alive. And I feel that somehow I'm being dishonest with people and not really um, sharing who I am and, and what I'm about. Uh, one of the worst examples of this was when I was at university. And I eventually, after a couple of years, took my best friend to a gospel supper and um, at the end of the meeting, there was question and answer sessions, and she said to the gospel speaker, um, it can't be true, because if it was that amazing, uh, Pip would have told me years ago. It's gutted. Um, and I might be showing my age, but one of my favorite preachers when I was a young adult um, was J. John. He's so bold and funny and articulate and it's easy for him to get into conversations with people about Jesus. You know, he, he tells stories about sitting on a plane, doesn't he, or a train journey, and he manages to convert the person next to him by the end of the journey. Um, and these stories are so inspiring, but increase my feelings of inadequacy because I, I don't feel like I'm good at that sort of evangelism. It doesn't come naturally. Um, another evangelist we got to know really well was um, our previous vicar in York, uh, Roger Simpson, who was vicar at St. Michael the Belfry. And uh, as an example of his gifting, he, he, when he was a student, he put an advert in the local paper uh, for Agnostics Anonymous AA meetings in his house. And if anybody was interested in thinking about uh, Christianity, just to come around and have a cup of tea and chat. And he ended up with a small church. And uh, I was, he was speaking at New Wine. Uh, he was leading the morning Bible studies at, at New Wine one year uh, about evangelism. And um, I hadn't managed to get up early enough to go to the talk. So I was sitting in the caravan with my cup of tea and listening to him talk. And I was always inspired by his stories. And I said to God, you know, I'm not as articulate as Roger Simpson. I, I find it really hard to initiate conversations. Am I really an evangelist? And I kid you not... Um, God's answer came immediately over the radio. I heard my name. He said, Pippa Rutter. And I was like, what? And um, he said, Pippa Rutter is an example um, of an, a relational evangelist in our church. Um, somebody who manages to bring Jesus into conversations with her friends and in longer-term relationships. Um, and I, I thought, 
okay, I've got no excuses, and uh, perhaps I, I am an, an evangelist. And, and I've got some stories I'd like to share with you um, that demonstrate this, but just to really emphasize that, you know, it's God that gets the glory. It's his work in me and, and definitely in my weakness. So uh, about 15 years ago, um, Mike and I wanted to get to know the neighbors on our street. Uh, we had little ones and um, we didn't really know anybody. And uh, so we decided to run a barbecue and we invited every family on the street. There were probably about 20 houses uh, and two families showed up. And uh, one of the families uh, the, um, was uh, uh, the lady was uh, Lorraine, and she was. Um, I just immediately hit it up with, off with her, and um, we naturally wanted to spend time together after that. Very early on, she asked me directly uh, one day in a play centre how I became a Christian. I wasn't aware I'd even told her I was a Christian. Um, and she, she went on to tell me that she'd had an experience of God um, at school when she was young. She wasn't brought up a Christian, but a, a youth organization had come to the school and she'd actually had an experience of God. Um, and I don't know about you, but I often forget that God has been working in our friends and neighbors and work colleagues' lives, all their lives. And uh, lots of people have had experience of God before they get to us and come to be friends with us. Well, she became a Christian and... Um, we started attending a local mums and tots group together and getting to know the local mums and um, we set up a pram service together and uh, a lot of those mums came along to that and some of them started showing interest in Christianity so uh, we set up a discipleship group on the back of this and several of the local mums came to know Jesus which was a really exciting time and one of these mums was uh, Sam uh, she was a very spiritual lady who loved alternative therapies and uh, channeling universal energy and using reflexology and uh, she overheard Lorraine and myself at one of the mums and top groups talking about the Holy Spirit and particularly I think we talk about the gift of tongues and you could see her ears pricking up and she wanted to know more about the Holy Spirit so on the back of this we we got chatting and we thought why don't we set up a ladies healing group she'd probably be interested in that it's spiritual and she started coming along um, I brought her along to Philly at one point, actually, uh, to a Heidi Baker conference, and she just said in a very New Age language, whoa, you know, can you feel the positive energy in this place? Um, and she became uh, a, a Jesus follower. She became a Christian, which was very exciting. And the cherry on the cake for me is she'd um, just adopted a child, um, and um, I, I found out that I'd looked after this child when she was a, a, an orphan, a baby, on the special baby care unit. And as a junior doctor, I used to pray for this orphan that one day she might have a Christian uh, family. But I never knew that God would help me to introduce her to, um, to her mama to Jesus. So I think God's really joining up dots in the background, isn't he, and working behind the scenes all the time. And we can't imagine uh, the ways he's doing that. And sometimes he just likes to show us glimpses of these amazing plans um, and wants to share in that sort of excitement that he has uh, when he sees everything joining up. But the key in that relationship was just the bringing up Jesus in everyday conversations. I've also found it tricky to be a Christian GP as, with an evangelist calling because it's not easy to bring up spiritual matters in a rushed 10-minute consultation. And we're not really allowed to share our faith unless we're asked. Um, I often feel like I have this big secret inside that will help my patients so much more than the tablets or the advice I give them. 
I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I really value the, the wider aspects of the kingdom and my job bringing healing and making life better. And, um, you know, I think it's a vital part of kingdom work. But, but for the evangelist, you want people to know that God's behind all this good stuff. However, God is faithful and he has allowed me many opportunities to share my faith over the years. And every now and then, patients ask. And uh, once a, a Muslim patient that I got to know for five years said, um, I know you have faith. Again, I wasn't aware I'd said anything to her, uh, but she just knew. And she said, please, can you pray for me? Now I have cancer. Uh, her mother was in the room with her. And, and uh, she said, I said to her, well, I was happy to pray, but I would pray in the name of Jesus. Um, and she said, that's okay. You know, she said she'd just started praying the Lord's Prayer recently and found comfort from that. And after praying, she said, um, she asked me to share my faith with her um, very specifically. You know, just tell me, tell me your story. Tell me how you came to know Jesus. So I was able to do that. Um, and um, then she asked me how she could find out more about the faith. And uh, I recommended a book called I Dared to Call Him Father. Because I thought it was quite a relevant one of uh, somebody with a different faith who started to pray the Lord's Prayer. And she ended up... Um, getting her neighbour to ring the book, read the book, who was a lapsed Christian, and taking her on an alpha course. She also thought, felt that her house was haunted and that she'd had the Muslim spiritual leaders around who were not able to get rid of the spiritual darkness, and she wondered whether a Christian might come to her house and, and help pray for it. So we were able to set that up, and a, la- a lady from our church, who's particularly gifted in that way, was able to go around to her house to bless her, bless her house and her family. At other times, God has handed opportunities to me on a plate just because I think he thinks it's fun and uh, he, he wants to give me a really good day. And so one day I was doing telephone triage and um, a patient rang up and said, I want to know God, can you help me? And I, I said, I think you've got the wrong number. This is your local GP surgery. And she said, I, no, I know that, but um, I just felt like I'd have the answer to the question if I rang you. So that was good. Um, I've also seen people come to faith through healing evangelism and praying for people on our street who've got cancer. So we went through a stage of just knocking on doors of people that we knew were sick. And um, one chap became a Christian um, and, uh, and the husband of one lady we were praying for rekindled the faith of his youth and went back to church. That was good. Um, and more recently, since coming to Sheffield, um, it's been hard. And I think part of that is because I've, I've taken on the role as a partner in the practice, so it's a lot busier. And most of you probably know that general practice is in crisis at the moment, and doctors are leaving the NHS in drones. So most of my job these days involves firefighting and just getting vast amounts, getting through vast amounts of paperwork. Um, and I feel I have very little time to think or reflect or pray. And and referring to our church vision um, that Peter talked about a couple of weeks ago where the kingdom of God is about making uh, life better and making disciples, I have found God using me as a partner to sort of make life better in the wider context of NHS and the workplace. But I haven't had that depth of relationship um, with people to make disciples, and I found that frustrating. But as GPs, we have to have an annual appraisal. And uh, my appraiser was a GP from another practice. Um, and she turned out to be a real person of peace. So she was really encouraging to me when she found out the ways the practice was changing for the better and asked me where I got my ideas from. So I had to be honest uh, and said I'd had a brainstorm with God and that uh, I felt that God was showing me things that needed to change in the practice. 
Um, and at the end of my appraisal, she said, uh, this is the, for the second year, at the end of the second year, she said, I'd like to meet for coffee and chat a bit more because I've just really enjoyed chatting to you. And we've now become friends and we've had some more spiritual conversations. And one place where I do get to be relational um, is uh, my shift at the dementia unit each week. So here I get to spend a whole morning with the deputy manager and see residents together. And one thing I've noticed is that it's easier to get into conversations about um, church than it is about Jesus. I don't know about you, but it's just people ask you about church and you can just be going on and on about church and think, you know, this is actually quite boring. I need to talk about Jesus. And I, I asked God one day, if that happens again, can you convict me? Holy Spirit, can you, can you show me when that's happening and make it really clear? And that, that happened this morning. The deputy manager just, just said, in passing, what church do you go to? I heard your husband's a vicar. Where does he? Where does he practice? Um, and I knew I had that conviction. I know I need to speak about Jesus, not the church. So God helped me turn that around. And um, I said that I was a Baptist background. I married to an Anglican, and how that worked out. And I would, I'd always pray. I prayed when we came to Sheffield, would find a church where there was adult, there were adult baptisms, because it was a huge part of my childhood, um, hearing stories about how people have been. Um, transformed by the uh, relationship with Jesus um, and she told me her story and it turned out you know again I'm always surprised but God works in people's lives all the way through their lives and she had uh, um, been invited to church when she was a little girl um, by a neighbor and she, she said she remembers uh, fond memories of going to a gospel church uh, and when she came to about, when she was about 14, her neighbour moved away and she had to stop going. She didn't feel confident to go on her own, but she never forgot that time. And um, it just so happened that day she was suffering from pneumonia and she'd had, um, it, had it for three weeks and was not sleeping at all. And um, I said to her, would you like me to pray that this Jesus heals you? Because I do believe he can heal today. And, and she said, yes, please. And um, I, so I thought I'd just pray, you know, at home and... Um, that was that but she said she was waiting uh, and I said oh you want me to pray now and she said yes please um, so I just did a simple prayer of healing and the next day she um, rang me to let me know she was completely better the cough had gone she slept through the night and um, she wanted to start coming to church which she did um, and um, she's still on that journey and, and not only that that there was opportunity to disciple her so um, we started praying for some of the residents together um, one particular chap uh, with dementia was very depressed uh, early dementia and when I asked if he had a faith um, he nodded and uh, when I offered to pray for him he wept so um, Andrea and I prayed the Lord's prayer with him and uh, he wept a lot and God was really doing something in him we prayed for healing for his depression and the next week when I went to see him I um, cancelled the antidepressant that I'd decided to prescribe the previous week we didn't need it anymore and uh, uh, Andrea mentioned to me that maybe we should do more praying because it seems to be more effective than the tablets <laughs> and currently um, Mike and I are trying to get to know the neighbours in our street um, and uh, we started having meatball and spaghetti nights and inviting different neighbours so we're excited about who God will bring into our lives through that so I hope I've encouraged you if you know deep down you have a heart for evangelism, but like me, you're a bit shy or feel uncomfortable talking to strangers on planes, um, I want you to know that there's hope to grow in this gifting. And um, if you'd like to respond, Mike's going to talk a bit about how you can do that. 
Um, alternatively, you may be the sort of evangelist who's much more bold and fearless and uh, not intimidated to speak to strangers. And uh, you'll also have an opportunity to speak, uh, to, to respond today. And I'd love to hear some of your stories um, because they challenge me to step out of my comfort zone and some of my fears and be bolder for Jesus. I, I, I wanted to um, just mention that um, and, and to be thankful for uh, Josh and Nikki for what they were doing today with the dancing and and I I do think that God is doing something about um just trying to crush the spirit of fear of man in this church it's something that I actually asked him this week I said God can you just really get rid of this fear of man it's a real pain and um I wonder if that's what God's doing um at at the moment um that's exciting isn't it I'll hand you over to Mike Great, thank you. Oops, sorry, I must have a louder voice than you. <laughs> I'm only just realising. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Pip. Um, I, do, I don't want to. I'm not going to talk for much longer. I just wanted to um, give now an opportunity for people, particularly who who are stirred up by this gift of the evangelist. And can I emphasise again that it is not about some people doing evangelism and others not. We are all called to do the work of evangelism. But there are certain people in this church that we need because God has already given you the gift of the evangelist in different ways. Like Pippa has already said, that there are different ways. There's no one evangelist is the same. So please don't have in your mind a particular image of an evangelist and think, well, I'm not like that. But you will know if you are really stirred in your heart that this is what you want to see catalyzed in this church. We need you in this church to be operating in your gift, in the gift that God has given you for the benefit of the whole body, and to be stirring it up in us so that we get excited. In a, in a similar way to the way Pippa's just done, it raises faith, doesn't it? And we think, oh, I could maybe do that. And the evangelist is the one who uh, helps us to do that. Can I also say, um, we're only three gifts in to five, and it's a bit difficult for you to kind of go, well, I'm not sure whether God's given me this and this, if you haven't heard all five. So please, there's no kind of, you've stood up and you've you've said yes to this, and therefore that's it, you've been boxed in. We're not about boxing people in. We're about helping people to release the thing that they think God may be giving them. Okay, please hear that. That's really important. And things change over time as we mature in the faith. God gives us different things. So can I just give you a quote from Neil Cole? Can I recommend another book? I recommended Alan Hirsch's 5Q last week. If you would like to read more about this, Primal Fire by Neil Cole is an excellent book. Really well balanced. Um, and I, I would recommend you read, you read that. He says, if you are in the midst of an identity crisis, wrestling with which of the apest gifts, the five gifts, you are to fulfill, don't worry. If you continue to pursue Christ, you will not be able to escape what God has destined you to become. Really important that you hear that. Um, And I'm just going to read you out a few little quotes from this book, because he says it a lot better than I would, just to help you to kind of recognize, is this me? Is this this what God has given to me? I'm going to have to take my glasses off. Sorry, I'm getting to that age. Um, Evangelists can be found wherever lost people are found. They would rather be at a bar than a Bible study. They are often more comfortable with the lost than with the found. Evangelists will make opportunities happen if they do not occur naturally. They have a nose for open doors and seek opportunities to share the gospel. In fact, to an evangelist, every encounter with a new person is not by chance, but is a divine appointment and is not to be wasted by failing to proclaim the gospel. 
These qualities are often seen as part of what sets evangelists apart. But actually the scriptures promise these qualities to every believer. But remember, the evangelist is the one who stirs it up in the church. And then an evangelist is most likely a people person. Of course, that isn't true in every case, but even evangelists who aren't energized simply by being around other people will have attractive qualities that draw others to their personality and work. When others encounter an evangelist, they feel loved. That's a key aspect of an evangelist, and that tends to make them more open to the gospel message. Though no two evangelists are exactly alike, I have yet to meet one who isn't great with people and most at home in the midst of others. And then finally, the role of the evangelist is not just to win people to Christ. All five APES gifts are given to the church to equip the saints to do the work of service. Therefore, evangelists are called not only to reach the lost, but also to influence the found. Evangelists do this not by doing all the evangelism for the church themselves, which is sometimes perhaps a traditional view of evangelist but by awakening the church to a love for those who are not yet in God's kingdom and equipping others in the church to listen to the Father, Son, and Spirit as they are guided through conversations with the lost. And I thought this was very telling. You can always spot the evangelists in the congregation. Maybe this is you now. They're the ones who say, oh, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I'm just doing what every every other Christian should do. This statement reveals the heart of those who are called to equip the body to do Christ's work. Because what seems normal and natural to you isn't always normal and natural to everyone. But you're called to equip the body. So, I would love, like we did last week, to pray for people who particularly feel that maybe this is something you have a passion for in this church. You want to see this gift realized within the whole body of the church. And remember, it's saying, we're remembering that God has already given these gifts to the church, but there are some of you who will be called to be custodians, if you like, of this particular aspect for the health of who we are. So I'd love to pray. I'd love us to pray for you. So if you think that's you, could you stand up, please? Um, And I'm going to ask people to get around you and pray for you. It doesn't matter if it's only a few, but there are a few of you who will know that what the description I've said is who you are. If, If people have stood up next to you, please can you just turn to them? And I don't want you to do big, long prayers. I just want you to bless what God is doing in the whole of our church through these people. And bless them in this gift, please. Um... Like I say, not big long words, but as a body, we need these guys. We need them to stir up this in us. So could you turn around now, please, and would you pray just for a couple of minutes, bless these people in the gift that they think God has given them.